Welcome to your favorite podcast at the intersection of faith and fear, where every week we discuss what scares us in order to find what saves us. This is the fear of God. Speaking to you right now is one of your hosts, Nathan Rouse, and typically with me is fellow co-host Reed Lacking. Guys, he was here, but he did say he was trying to finish the latest episode of 100% Cotton before we start. So while we wait on Reed. I would like to welcome to the show two of Hollywood's hottest young stars here to dish on the latest news and leaks from the set of Stab 3. It is gory gamer Matt Murray. Welcome, Matt. And one of our quarterly kings, Andy Whitfield. Welcome, gentlemen. Hey. 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 Yeah, just like uh, Cotton Weary, I'm, I'm back for the third movie. Hope I... Uh... I got a big role in this one, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're not going out like a chump in Act One or the no, teaser, uh, really. Not even Act yeah. One. <laughs> okay, real quick to to help yourselves, Matt, Andy, y'all go pop in that VHS tape labeled "Trilogy Rules." Uh, watch that. Well, I remind listeners that here at the Fear of God, we explore, we don't explain. Except for right now when I explain that you can find all things foggy at thefearofgodpodcast.com. Things such as and especially how to support us on patreon more on that in a minute because who is this with some new script pages it's really listen i cannot work like this okay i will be in my trailer uh i i cannot get new pages every day okay you expect me to memorize my lines i work to memorize the lines i show up on set and then you change the scene again i can't do it okay i'm out i'm gone everyone Bye. everyone's everyone's hi, diva hi hi andy hi matt it was hey. good to see hey. you but i'm tired of nathan's nonsense and i'm out <laughs> go 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 flick that conveniently placed lighter and uh, there, read your next script page <laughs> is there anything we can do to get you to stay read it's sweet of you to ask um <laughs> think, on, think on that uh, uh read andy matt we do have some quick business to attend to before we get to our main discussion one listeners if you're finding us for the first time today welcome and know you've caught us at the perfect time because it is after all spooky season and halloween times also means it's time once more for the fear of god to cover an entire horror franchise in one series this year featuring the whole scream film franchise in a series affectionately dubbed scream oween last week on scream oween we had yes cotton weary himself aka the gory gamer matt murray welcome back and author and fogger jr foresteros to discuss scream 2 Turns out Matt couldn't get enough of the Woodsburg gang because today we set our sights on the City of Angels with 2000's Scream 3. Today's conversation will also feature a patron-only segment, a tradition begun last year of Reed and I discussing an episode of The Simpsons' Treehouse of Horror installments. The second order of business today is it is time for Fogoween, our annual Halloween party. Reed, it's here. Oh, I'm, I'm so excited. Just about. 
Uh, uh, Fogoween is around the corner. It's our annual Halloween party here at the Fog. Um, already, it, it already had a date, that of Sunday, mm-hmm. October 29th, but now it also has a time, that of 8 Ooh. p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So Don't mark your calendars, Foggers. Sunday, October 29th, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. How do you get to come to Fogoween? Well, you get to come to Fogoween by joining our Patreon at any <laughs> level. And then come hang out with us and other foggers, uh, games, laughs, costumes, maybe prizes. We hope to see you there. Well, I hope to see them there. Reed, do you hope to see them there? Oh, I absolutely hope so. I want to see every patron we have and new patrons we receive between this announcement and then at our, uh, this is our third annual Fogoween. It is the third. Third annual Fogoween. Very, very exciting. Prizes, trivia games. Uh, it's, It's lots of fun. We have a good time. It is. It is. Fogoween's a, a grand old time. Uh, everyone mm-hmm. should be out there. All right. That is out. enough business for now. Okay, Matt and Andy, you've 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 prattled on for a while. Uh, I, I'm mm-hmm. going to ask you to do one more favor and to go find out if that is Connie Chung or not. Well, Reed and I <laughs> catch our latest Treehouse of Horror segment for our patrons, guys. We'll be right back. She's over there. Just go. Just go check. about this movie y'all uh we are here third times the the charm supposedly we shall see how that shakes up uh andy matt it is such a delight to have you both here um as we dive into this third installment of scream aween we will kick the door down with a brief uh itunes apple description of what scream 3 is about okay this is news to me uh While Sidney Prescott, Nev Campbell, lives in safely guarded seclusion, bodies begin dropping around the Hollywood set of Stab 3, the latest movie based on the gruesome Woodsboro killings. The escalating terror finally brings Sidney out of hiding, drawing her and the other survivors once again into an insidious game of horror movie mayhem that's a suspenseful, clever, and very entertaining installment in the wildly popular Scream franchise. That is Scream 3. That's what it's all about. Um, now, I'm going to start with Andy, because Matt, yes. uh, you were with mm-hmm. us last week uh, talking about Scream 2. Andy, what is your uh, history with exposure to engagement with the Scream franchise at large? And talk to us a little bit about this film. Uh, and, and had you seen it before? You know, was this first time? Tell us about it. Okay. Um, well, this just reminded me of when I first saw Scream 1. I, it, I was um, I was in fifth or fourth grade, and I convinced my best friend's mom to order it on pay-per-view. Oh, wow. I said my. It, and we watched it, and she was like, oh, my gosh, what are you doing? <laughs> what did you do to us? And I was like, I, I liked it. It was cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my fourth or fifth grade self you know really <laughs> took it in um but screen three i i had seen it but it had been a while since i've seen it um hmm. i'm how many there's like so many screens now they they kind of six, six. Yep. yeah yep. they, they kind of just meld together it's like saul um <laughs> but <laughs> but but the later ones are good um but what i liked her screen three was just interesting like 
2000s were wild man that's <laughs> <laughs> a way to put it it's true <laughs> i mean people getting shot people <laughs> blowing up houses and stuff like it's wild hollywood <laughs> man hollywood it's crazy Wes craven's like i got the budget i've always wanted to blow up a house um, oh my god indeed but um i would uh, i'm I'm okay with it. It's yeah. it's not my favorite, but mm, it was. Mm-hmm. I will say, Mags, my wife, mm-hmm. got so interested in it when I put it on. She stayed up and watched it until I fell asleep. Oh, uh, interesting. And and she doesn't like horror films. Okay, but what's oh. funny about your sentence is there, as you said, <laughs> she watched the movie until you fell asleep. So mm-hmm. what does that mean about? where the movie was when you fell asleep did she just keep Probably. watching the credit? she didn't she didn't because i turned it off um you know while she was watching it <laughs> but um but yeah i mean i finished it later today of course mr last minute <laughs> sandy um that's right and, and um i really i enjoyed it but i i had to look at it through a lens of this is 2000 um hmm. not what horror has become you know yeah like, or you know this is horror but it's changed a lot and it was sure. just interesting and the one thing i loved about this is like somebody in every scene is wearing leather pants <laughs> huh. that's, now that is a thing i did not pick up on in this view <laughs> like oh the leather budget yeah. <laughs> so everybody oh. is wearing leather in one scene or not that is awesome that's awesome well matt uh we know a little bit about your history with the franchise in general but where do you sit on screen three uh yeah there's just one kind of question that came to mind after watching this movie uh it's what if oh, excuse me <clears throat> what if what if (laughs) (laughs) that's the one one. very uh very creed heavy movie i'd say very creed forward um no i think i think uh on this rewatch this definitely feels like the most forgettable of the movies it just doesn't have necessarily a lot of standout especially the opening scene is such a classic like scream trope is to have like a, a incredible opening scene that kind of keeps you guessing and and kind of does all kinds of things. And this one just kind of like didn't, um, Hmm. but overall, I think there's some, some good standout stuff that I'm sure we'll get to, uh, but just, just, uh, overall just kind of forgettable for a franchise where it's just known for some pretty unforgettable scenes. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, Nathan, I'm going to preempt and go because uh, I, I think I know what your take is going to be. And uh, maybe I want to end but there. But the listeners don't. Exactly. But maybe I want to end there. Um, so uh, I have always considered this the dud of the franchise. I've always thought, you know, in the big run, I feel like one, two and four through six are really good to great films. And I feel like Scream 3 is the only one that is, these are my words now, uh, are at best okay. I think it's at best okay. Um, It is still a Scream film, which means it still has the energy. It still has the vibe. We still spend time with characters that we love. And I enjoy that. It uh, To the point uh, that you made, Andy, about it kind of sucking your wife in, like, I feel like it's easily watchable. It's not the kind of thing that I'm watching and I'm like, well, this is stupid. I want to turn it off. It's really, really good. 
at just keeping the pace brisk and keeping everything moving so that we never really are bogged down or bored or anything like that. But I just feel like, and maybe this is not the film's fault in isolation, but I feel like when it's compared to its siblings, it is very wanting. I feel like even the worst of the rest of the franchise is still significantly better than this one, at least is my take. Every time I've seen this film, with the very specific exception of the opening scene with Cotton Weary, uh, I, I feel like the opening scene of Cotton Weary still feels like Scream. That still feels very much like, okay, we're ready for a Scream film. And I feel like pretty much right after that, um, it is almost like a big-budgeted fan version trying to do a Scream film, as opposed to actually a Scream film. Uh, at least that's my takeaway. I was already not very fond of the film, and then this viewing around, I was like, aww. <laughs> I guess I'm watching it. I was kind of like, uh, and I, I wouldn't go so far as to say I don't like it because I still feel like it has so many of the elements that I appreciate and love about this franchise and the characters, notwithstanding. I wouldn't go so far as to say I don't like it, but I am at the precipice of saying I don't like it. Uh, Scream 3 is definitely the weakest one for me, and that is my coming in hot take on Scream 3. For a 23-year-old movie. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I want to interject this because as much as we talk about movies, it's also fun to share a little anecdote sometimes and the nature of this one taking place in Hollywood and something that was said a minute ago about, you know, the, the, the decadence of the Hollywood life reminded me and, and the nature of the fact that this came out in 2000. Uh, so in 2002, mm. 2001, uh, I was part of the cast of that summer's Lost Colony outdoor drama. I played Second Soldier. Yes, Second Soldier. Hmm. And this was a, um, this is out in the Outer Banks of North Carolina. And this is uh, very, not, mm, this is right before Reed and I would, would venture um, to find our fortunes <laughs> um <laughs> out west and uh i remember for some reason maybe i don't remember why this happened if i had like a flat tire or something like that but i i got stranded somewhere and had to get a i, I walked up to this church and 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 was able to somehow be like hey i'm with the cast at lost colony i'm kind of stranded kind of a ride back to the you know the premises and I'm pretty sure it was the pastor. He gave me a ride back. And I just, I just never forget the fact that I bring up, you know, you know, just would be actor and just you know, lost colony and next. And he starts to regale me with this like uber dark cautionary tale about that one person he knew that went out to Hollywood and just got devoured by the sinfulness and all this sort of stuff. And I don't know, something about <laughs> talking about a movie set in Hollywood in 2000 and, and, and the decadence of it made me think of that, that pastor out in, uh, old uh, Manio, North Carolina, um, wow. trying to, trying to ward me off. Um, mm. scream three, scream three. This is a movie. And <laughs> this is a movie. <laughs> it is a movie. <clears throat> you know, it's kind of yeah. like, it's kind of like, you know, like when the, the, your least favorite kid, you know, does something wrong. You're still like, 
but it's still my kid you know it's like that's the one i like the least but there's still (laughs) right now right now if we're i don't know some parent out there has that attitude i'm just saying for that person they're still like but this is my you're like i'll still take a bullet for him but i hope it's in the shoulder (laughs) but what but i hope it's in the shoulder (laughs) (laughs) and i hope i fall backwards on him when it happens you know (laughs) so so, okay so um i remember having very little response to scream 3 originally and as mentioned on our inaugural Screamoween episode uh, earlier this year in prep for six, I rewatched the whole series and kind of like the Grinch found my heart sort of swelling a little bit towards this little film, which is funny to call, you know, an entry in one of the biggest, you know, horror franchises of all time, a little film, but it <laughs> feels like a little film. It feels like you know the friends got mom and dad's community theater stuff out of the attic and and threw them on and kind of cobbled together the story as they told it uh but this is me right now you told your hot take of 23 year old movie Mm -hmm. i'm a little charmed by its uh uh emptiness (laughs) by its (laughs) uh just utter tonal confusion but it leans in it commits um here's uh, in the way that for me scream 2 gets um points for leave schreiber's cotton weary specifically the um uh the lunchroom scene or the library scene that is uh maybe i'm hungry this movie as wobbly as it is parker posey is a delight and and just and and anything negative i might find to say about the movie kind of leaves evaporates from my brain the next scene she's in i'm like oh my god she's so funny to me and so you know for this particular viewing i kind of made an active choice not to watch it as some like piece of ip and just like okay what you know what is this little little movie here and even even the stupid stuff like it being her brother um spoiler alert like but but yeah yes it's it's not not stupid but there's a part of me that could have some grace for it too in so far as uh there it's a clear uh kind of halloween 2 sort of nod uh, the fact that Carrie Fisher shows and shows up in this seems utterly out of left field and random until you remember two, or it's a, it's a third in a film return of the Jedi gave us the sibling re- reveal. Like I'm not saying it's a smart movie, but I am saying, I think going into this viewing or rather going into this year, 2023, when I happened to have watched it twice, I gave it far less credit than now. I sort of say, ah, you know what? I think it's fun. I don't think it's like quality, but I think it's fun. And from that standpoint, I can kind of enjoy what it is uh, while not necessarily lamenting what it's not, because what it is not is a horror movie, a scary movie, (laughs) a suspenseful movie, (laughs) a slasher. (laughs) It's just not any of these things. (laughs) On the back of the box, raves Nathan Rouse. Eh, You know what? Not, (laughs) Not scary. 
<laughs> you might like it. You might enjoy it. I mean, even like stupid it. stuff, y'all. So we're recording tonight on Scream 3 and 4. Uh, it's such a noticeable difference tonally and, and cinematography-wise, these two movies. But when Jenny McCarthy gets got in Scream 3, I was like, that was like Ed Wood level getting mm-hmm. got. Like, it is, it is like, oh, yeah. we got a, we got a plywood door and a cellophane window in it and we just have her hanging over it you know it's, that's it it's not quality so uh i like it for what it is uh even and 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 can and can find some some entertainment value because of that yeah okay well i can i mean i can to a degree here's the thing it's like it's it's going to be hard for me to temper some of the uh critical thoughts and critical feelings that i have about this film for two primary reasons number one not for nothing and and like like we've said it, it's a scream film so like uh i believe uh jr said last week that like even the worst scream films are still pretty good especially compared to the the haphazard very very low quality sequels that appear in other franchises this is still you know very competent in what it's trying to do i think uh, the other reason why I'm having to try to hold my criticism back a little bit is because it feels like um, it, I could lose sight of what I do enjoy about these characters and about even some of the interiors of this film uh, in my desire for it to be more like its siblings. Um, so when it goes completely bananas, I feel like most of the rest of the franchise is smart and is uh really pretty pretty clever uh sharp forgive the pun but i feel like this one is the first one that's kind of either too in on the joke or not in on the joke at all because it is trying too hard to make quips to make you mentioned the carrie fisher of it all and to be honest i would give that moment more credibility myself if not for like the Jay and Silent Bob appearance where I'm like, what sure. ever loving do yeah, they yeah, have yeah. anything to do with anything? You know, these well, were just people who were Weinstein. on. Exactly. These were just people right. who were in the, the, the Miramax the dimension troop. And they were just like, Oh, let's throw them in here. Let's, let's, let's put them uh, in play right here. And that just, um, it just bums me out a little bit because the whole thing feels slapdash. Like it does scream too. I know they were writing pages as they go along. There's still some degree of cohesion to what's happening. It's 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 not as strong as other entries, but it's there's still some a certain degree of cohesion. In Scream Three, it really feels like oh y'all just showed up and found out y'all were filming this <laughs> particular scene in this moment. Like you found out a few moments before you got there. Um, I promise I will not be a wet blanket for the entirety of the. Of no, the well, film. I mean, here's here's what's funny is you're not wrong. I just think I was able to find some 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 joy in it's just you know in its shortcomings uh because i think there is this interesting slide from one to three of uh what exactly is our tone here you're right it, <laughs> yeah. it is is and and it, and it just kind of uh degrades a bit as it goes um into whatever the hell scream three is uh but Cause yeah, I mean, you've got Patrick Dempsey who is just like, he is, he's in it. And I mean, literally physically on screen, but I mean, mm-hmm. performance wise too, he, he is, 
he's in a serious procedural <laughs> and then <laughs> by the end of the movie he's getting thrown around like a like a rag doll and bonking his head against a mantle you know <laughs> there's but there's something about it in the middle of it i was like i can watch this as a almost like pink panther-esque whodunit i'm not saying it rises to that level of satire but as in sure, like this, yeah. there's a there's a whodunit kind of just dopey kind of quality aw shucks kind of quality to it that yeah. if i'm being gracious i could find some entertainment value in but sure. yeah i mean jane Bob showing up that's utterly random but by the same token uh it's it is as of the moment as ending scream 2 with collective soul or showing uh sure. in this movie yeah. a creed reference uh you know and so I guess I can be a little forgiving there. I'm not yeah. going to win you over here. And that's not my intention other than just to say, like, it is it is a malformed sibling to, to use your sibling <laughs> language. But I can kind of like love it for what it is, even if I'm like, ah, look at you. What are you exactly? <laughs> Scream three is the one that when it shows up to the party, all the rest of the franchise look at it. Y'all invited, y'all invited the third one. Y'all invited the third one, didn't you? Okay. And then I come in for a hug and say, "Come, bring it in, bring it in." <laughs> okay. Oh Who wants to talk about a few surfacey things before any of that ain't right? Just things you just liked or things you hated, I and mean, I don't know, maybe. Yeah, I have um, a couple, but I'll defer to our guests. Go ahead, Matt. Yeah, I will say, so with Scream 2, I enjoyed it, but it felt rushed. And Scream 3 almost feels like they had too much time because they just kind of <laughs> added more. Like, even, like, the sibling reveal would have been fine, but then they also have to add the fact that he's the one that gives Billy Loomis the idea and the motivation to start it. So they have to just kind of, like, go too far with it, you know? And, and so it felt like they just kind of threw everything they could into the movie, all the ideas that they had, and they kind of just kind of popped out there i don't know popped out there is such yeah. a great way to like yeah it, that's a that's a real funny a real um astute way to put it matt like scream 2 has this almost like hey slow down y'all kind of energy right. to it this one it's like can, can we pick can we pick up the pace a little bit yeah. like like yeah. what what so who's missing their cue here but there's no, i don't think there's any themes though like you know scream 2 we picked some themes out from it and this one i, I can't even think of like a any kind of idea that kind of runs through it or any kind of ideas that they even um introduced to contemplate so yeah there's a really bad one and and we'll we'll acknowledge it probably when we get to more of our our actual ideas but there's there's one like really bad and kind of uncomfortable through line mm -hmm. that um that especially in the way that it kind of interplays sydney's story with her i can't even believe with her brother's like it's just it's so ludicrous <laughs> it's so dumb um andy i want to give you a chance to highlight any um de facto superficial stuff before i dive in with a couple of mine um i i just liked it um that's that's but, this movie but, that, that's, that's exactly that's this movie. Movie. i just liked it um leather uh <laughs> <laughs> the leather <laughs> the leather um <laughs> It was. You're right about the Jane Silent. Mo I forgot about that because I mm -hmm. was falling asleep. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> you're you're right. Like that was super random. I guess it does come from the Miramax family, um, yeah. and then Carrie Fisher. But um, I agree with Matt too about there's no like solid thread that's going through it. It mm -hmm. seems like it's like Nathan said. They're just throwing it against my Nathan didn't say it, but I'm going to say it. They're just throwing <laughs> stuff against the wall and sure. hoping something sticks. Yeah. 
No, that's exactly so. like, yeah, like overcooked pasta. I will say mm-hmm. like there's there's the cameos that I would beat upon are um, Jay and Silent Bob. I love I love Carrie Fisher. God rest her. I think her scene is funny. I, mm-hmm. I don't think there's a lot of point to the scene. I think I think she's funny in it. And for those few moments that she's there, presumably she rewrote some of her lines. I don't even know what they had for her there, but presumably she sort of recrafted the scene to make it fit and 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 be a little better and not for nothing i do think the scene's not bad so that's probably to her credit but one cameo that i would cite that i do like kind of love just because i find the guy super interesting and he's a legend is uh did y'all pick up uh in the scene right after the the first sort of killings are announced and they're all standing around. The producers are standing around. I think this is only after Cotton has died, but the investigation is underway. The producers are standing around, and there's one guy who only appears in that one scene, uh, and it's uh, the gray-headed guy. I forget what he's what he's actually wearing. He's leaning against the bit. That's uh, Roger Corman, legendary uh, Hollywood producer Roger Corman. I love the guy, and so uh, I'm like, oh, that's I like that. I like that little cameo. Uh, most of the other cameos in this film, I don't really don't really care for, but I like that. I I will shout out, and he'll probably get mentioned again. The other cameo that I love, uh, Nathan, you it's not a cameo, it's actually a role, but um, you love you some Parker Posey. I love me some Kronk in this movie. Oh, like, he's so he's, funny. <laughs> he's great. New, new drop. <laughs> Patrick Warburton could just show up on screen, say hello, and I'd be like, <laughs> that guy's hysterical. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, just a just a couple of uh, you know, those silly little things. I do like, and I, I will say this without an asterisk, I think some of the kill scenes in this are cool. Um, they're they're not terribly inventive or particularly in the way that some of the other moments in the franchise are more memorable. I do think they're they're cool every single time they're kind of deployed. Like I would beat up in agreement with you, Nathan, on when um, Jenny McCarthy goes. I think her actual death is is pretty rough in terms of like rough as in like it's kind of silly looking as opposed to actually like intimidating. But I love that she's in the costuming with all the scream uh, costumes yeah, surrounding yeah, yeah. her. I'm like, that's a, that's a cool set piece. It's a cool visual. Mm-hmm. Um, so as much as I would uh, deride the film for some of its um, sillier components, I do think some of its deaths and some of its kills are 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 pretty cool uh, without an asterisk. So yeah, that's uh, that's most of what I had. This is where I think the and and uh, as someone going into this calendar year, not necessarily being a person I'm describing here. I, I could I could see if you're precious about the franchise, how this one would feel not just outlier, but borderline offensive. And I'm, that's a kind of a strong word, but you understand what I'm saying. But I think I think what I can have grace towards, too, sometimes is just like uh, it, where I'm going. This is not to justify that a final product in a process like this is always going to be worthwhile. I don't mean that. But there is a vibe of these people are just having fun. Like the actors, the the mm, the, mm-hmm. the actual ensemble is just kind of like, hey, it's scream. Like we kind of we kind of been here, done that. Like let's let's go for it. Let's do some silly stuff. Let's let's you know turn the dial a different direction than we had been going. Uh, and and if I'm watching it in the spirit of that, like I keep thinking of that sort of who done it kind of aspect. Because even even some of the other ones, though a mystery about who the killer is is always present in these films. 
this one has a a an energy that is about there's a there's a more detective aspect to it there's a little detective in the in the film but um there's just there's something different about its the angle of approach uh for this particular film and and again i'm not actually here trying to justify it as as quality cinema but um you know the 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 sort of improvisational nature of it is what kind of i find is part of its charm and i'll maybe this is my only uh deeply representative uh moment for for shouting out parker shouting out parker posey but maybe one of the best bits of physical comedy i've seen in a very long time and and def and definitely just a just a it it feels like it was taken from a christopher guest mockumentary is when she and dewdrop uh when she and warburton are in the room and it's like the camera just stays on She's in this asinine getup, this midriff pink shirt, these tiny little pigtails and her leather pink pants. She just paces the room, walks over to him and just leaps up into his arms like a little baby. And then the scene changes. It is there's no dialogue. There's no even verbal whatever. Like it is just a piece of comedy brilliance. And this is why I'm a little generous to this movie is these little weirdo touches that really shouldn't be in this movie. But sure they are and so i can kind of find some joy in that um one one last thing before we probably move on into our like maybe that ain't right or wherever we're going next i i have to acknowledge that at the time they were making this they this is to your point nathan about like kind of the zanier nature of it and just kind of i think andy had said about like just throwing things against the wall at the time they were making this they thought they were concluding the trilogy it's it's all over this film and the production and everything that like the plan was this is going to close the loop this is not going to be a broader franchise this is going to be a trilogy and that's going to be the end of it and this was originally intending to be sort of where everything wraps up and i can see a case to be made for saying like well hey it's our last ride let's just have a lot of fun like crack open that extra drink make that sillier, stupider joke, uh, do do whatever feels fun. And and t- to your point, Nathan, about how people seem to be having fun uh, with this, somewhat ironically, one person who didn't seem to be having as much fun with this movie was Wes Craven. Wes Craven almost walked from this production like twice. Um, and the biggest reason was because they had to tone down quite a bit of the violence and quite a bit of the gore in this film. It has a sillier tone. Uh, partially because they were trying to, and, and, and I'm sensitive to this. I'm going to say this next part sensitively. Um, because Columbine had just happened while, like before production started and they were incredibly sensitive and entire and the, the script got entirely rewritten. Its original concept, I think that they were moving forward on did involve like high school kids being preyed upon and they completely scrapped all of that, um, for, for completely understandable reasons. So I'm also sensitive to like, okay, this is going to be our last hurrah. We've got some cultural sensitivity that we're trying to be, you know, careful around. Uh, and let's just dig into the humor. Let's just make it silly and, and make it fun. And I can be apologetic to that. It, it doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to enjoy it more, but I can at least appreciate like, okay, well then that's what you were setting out to do. And for what it's worth, you accomplished that. So yeah, that's me being generous. <laughs> Sorry. I just, I'm just reading some of these, uh, like once, once, uh, uh, Gail and 
quote unquote Gail team up. It's it's hysterical to me. Like that part's fun. if you yeah. watch her just mirroring everything that Courtney Cox does, <laughs> there's a scene where <laughs> Courtney Cox goes, do and and Parker Post goes, do like talking to Dewey. <laughs> so little stuff like that. She's attached her at the hip. Um, oh man, it's just so funny. But one of my favorite funny bits too is not even involving the queen. Uh it's um it's a scene with David Arquette and Patrick Dempsey and they're at the precinct. And uh, I don't remember what Dempsey has said to him, but David Arquette Dewey says, was that a threat detective? And Patrick Dempsey says, when it's a threat, you'll know it. Pause. Dewey. Was that a threat? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> great. I will uh, always I, show the love to David Arquette. He's he's yeah. fun. He's great. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Fine. We can we can curb the laughs because guys, lest we forget, we are a horror show, even though this isn't a horror movie. But if it's gory, if it's gross, if it causes you a fright, it's time for the part of the show that we call "That Ain't Right, Sydney." That sure as hell ain't right. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the movie feels like it's doing is <laughs> it's got the little slide whistle <laughs> it breaks into soft shoe <laughs> i mean that's what it feels like it's doing <laughs> it's like when that one it's like when that one actor dies and then the whole time he's like cussing the guy out as he's stabbing him he's like oh you mother effort like every, every single time he gets stabbed that's his reaction <laughs> okay Did, well um, what what did it go on Paramount Plus, it may be um, edited for the F word. Oh, really? I, I know that's that not surprise me. But um, but when I was watching it, when they were using the F word, it was like blocked out. Oh, um, that's weird. That, Interesting. So that's that's just, you know, a little trivia. Or maybe you were it. blinking out because you were falling asleep during it. It was like, well, no, this is this like mother. F- it. Oh. Okay. <laughs> this, is, the, I, this is from the take from the viewing I had today. Thank you. Okay. Ah. okay. <laughs> okay. <All right>. That's <laughs> fair. <laughs> well, while you're already talking, Andy, why don't you go ahead and uh, give us your first, that ain't right for scream three. Um, I think it was cotton's death. The, the skull crash. Ooh. That ain't right. Yeah. <laughs> when it getting stabbed in the head ain't right. Y'all. <laughs> you know what else ain't right in that scene is matt to your point 30 minutes ago about the sort of weak what is this opening scene aspect of of the screen franchise is your girl christine is like is she dead uh uh and then just uh, the next scene when it's on the news the newscast is like cotton weary and wife christine both died you know it's like oh okay it reminds me of the scene in uh uh the dark knight when the Joker crashes the party and Batman and Rachel get thrown out the window and you're just like, well, I guess, I guess all those people are going to make it. I don't know. You know, it's like, are they dead? <laughs> it's the Schrodinger's cast. Like you like that? The Schrodinger's cast is like, are, are the party goers dead or are they not? We'll never know. Um, <laughs> that's how it feels watching that scene in Christine. Um, I'll go just because I'm already prattling. Um, 
there is there is one or two mild actual that ain't rights i'm gonna go in the tone of the film with my that ain't right and like okay i've given credit to this movie but i will be honest about this movie too and sydney's dream with the like literal walk off from a community theater you know production <laughs> He wandered into the wing and wandered onto the set of Scream 3, and, and they just happened to have the camera going. And they said, no, keep it rolling, keep it rolling. Uh, when Ghost Maureen calls out, I said she, like, elevators down below the window. Do you remember that? She might as well have pushed a fake button in the air and yes. just descended. I wrote, I wrote down they got Ghost Maureen from uh, Spirit Halloween. From what? From Spirit Halloween. She's a Spirit Halloween prop. <laughs> oh, so there's that and then just Ghostface pops up and that window ain't real there's no glass in that window there ain't no, nothing going on know. there but mm -mm. but just just this is what i mean for a movie that ostensibly is quote-unquote scary uh it, there's nothing there is nothing scary about especially that scene but most yeah. of this movie as well that yeah. is my that ain't right matt what about you um yeah i mean there's yeah, I couldn't really think of one. So I'll just say, what is Stab 3 about? And maybe I missed this, but like, so Stab 1 is the first movie. I'm assuming Stab 2 <clears throat> covers the college murders. Maybe. So what's Stab 3? What, what is it? Because they're back in Woodsboro. And uh, I don't know. Like, what is well, it? Yeah. Well, there is a there is a serious answer to the Stab 3 question that I think, I think this is right. I think the serious answer to it is that Stab three is Scream three. That Stab three is is ostensibly the version of Scream three because of who the killer is and because of who the director of Stab three is. That it is meant to be that we are seeing many of the same scenes that were going to happen in Stab three in Scream three. That it's all like taking place in the Hollywood world of it. That's why Cotton Weary was going to be a cameo in it you know that that kind of thing so i i will i will applaud this um applause is a strong word <laughs> i will tip my hat to um in the in the meta nature of what the first two films did this one feels like they're trying to go meta in the sense of we're going to show you a scene that was supposed to be fictionalized and we're going to fictionalize it and make it for these characters real at the same time. And I feel like that's a version of what they're trying to do. I think that is probably a bridge too far for the cleverness of this film, but I feel like that's what they're trying to do. So the short answer to your question of what stab three is about is I, I think stab three is literally scream three. And that's what we're meant to sort of take away from it, that they're just making them it. They're making stab three simultaneous to us watching scream three, but they're the same. I, plot. I think that's a smarter answer than this movie. I hurt my head. I agree. Know? Yes, but I agree. Because, because, and and this is with all deference here or all respect here, like the stab three, everything about it is scream one. Mm -hmm. You mm. know, yep. the sets, uh, Randy, um, you know, uh, I, I, maybe this is just purely speculation because I hadn't even thought of this question until Matt asked it. <clears throat> but is it a prequel of sorts inside the scream world is it a remake of sorts inside the scream i don't know i'm not i'm not stating that with any sort of uh veracity but uh and the only reason i i would push back a little bit read your interpretation there is just because 
it's all the characters it's the set it's the settings yeah. of what ultimately is the first scream film though you're right stab one is the casey becker at least you know robert rodriguez sure yeah whatever they don't they don't care they don't know <laughs> they don't. yeah go ahead Andy. Yes. andrew um i think it could be a prequel because it has a lot to do with um sydney's mom and she shows up <laughs> you know so there's more sydney's mom in this film than i think well i haven't seen the other ones in a while but there's more sydney mom in this film than i thought there would be um, there's a, she's like yeah. present i do think so, one of the smartest things the scream franchise the actual scream franchise did was parting ways with sydney's mom as a story beat, yeah I guess. yeah yes so poorly executed um and that i know that's just 2023 me uh talking about a 23 year old movie um Reed, I mean, it was bad. It was bad then. I mean, like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> and, and and I know why you're saying that, but it's like, it, it yeah. I mean, it was it was stupid then. So, um, it ain't right. The gymnastics, the the screenplay gymnastics that this film has to do to make the killer mm -hmm. remotely viable as a as a actual presence in this universe. Like they have to retroact it and go all the way back. It's already been referenced, but like. Uh, you know, the fact that uh, her brother supposedly was from like a completely previous relationship and that he orchestrated the Billy thing and that uh, he was the mastermind behind it all. And yet somehow hasn't emerged until now, like all through Scream 2 when all of that was happening, like he was just in the sidelines going, let me see if they get him. You know, like that's the thing that's so ridiculous about this is like presumably this long form revenge plan when in fact, like, well, if you wanted to get her aren't you lucky that she didn't get taken out in scream Two? aren't you lucky that sydney survived scream Two so that now you can try to go after her but it's not only just that invention my proper that ain't right that's my broad that ain't right my proper that ain't right is why in the ever loving whatever did he saturate himself with blood and crawl inside take the work to pull that skeleton that little animatronic skeleton out of there and like i'm gonna crawl in here and i'm gonna wait right here for somebody to open up and find out like oh my god he's dead not to mention the fact that look you are uh, a gail weathers you are a reporter who is trying to find a pulitzer you can't find that man's pulse he is not dead but then when you get literally asked the question is he dead you say very what pulse were you checking? Were you looking at his foot? Whatever you grabbed his wrist, he is clearly not dead. I think, so I, I think you can actually detect a pulse in a foot, so that might not actually oh, work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm like, my my hold that ain't right is that is stupid. It reeks of we're going we're gonna psych you out. We're gonna kill the killer or like you know take them off the board, and then they're gonna come back and they're gonna really. But there is no reason. There's no reason even inside this zany zany story why he. The character would have done that there is there is no reason like maybe faking his death is something he would have done but orchestrating this elaborate somebody's going to find me and i can't even guarantee who's going to he could have been waiting down there forever <laughs> like, <laughs> just in different shows up and saves the day and everybody yeah. goes home and he's like oh yeah. snap he's like oh and then crap, the coffin is locked the prop yeah. coffin gets locked and he, <laughs> and like, he oh, actually crap. dies. Now he's really dead. He's <clears throat> Wiley Coyote in this dummy stomach, trying to like, oh my God. But I feel like yeah. you sort of identified, you know, and, and, and I think, I think all of us would sort of say more or less, you know, Scream 3 is really is just this kind of, of what the Scream franchise does poorly, 
this one does most poorly. Uh, mm-hmm. And and because uh, I thought this maybe re- on this rewatch, maybe with uh, uh, with four. But when these movies work, it's when you can't see the 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 stitch line between act two and act three mm-hmm. right because you watch this movie to your point about roman in the in the coffin uh none of these actors know how this script is going to end and then they shoot right. it right like so so they're shooting all this stuff so like the this is what i mean the stitch line literally from a script standpoint hinges on okay we've resolved all of the stuff now it's time for reveal okay everybody out of the room out of the room mm-hmm. except for you except for you scott foley come back in here it's, it's actually you but he didn't know. <laughs> right you yeah. know so yeah. so these yeah. the, the players don't really know how to act towards that and what that means is the actual story of the film has to really work to sell mm-hmm. the fact that these players don't know. And and then there's a, there's a grand sort of reveal and it's got to work in this one. And again, you know, am I just giving too much, uh, not credit, but too much grace. Uh, they, part of me, it was like, you guys are just going for it. Like this is you, you may as well have had Scott Foley step into some like, uh, uh, um, uh, Dr. Wiley from Mega Man level machine at the end. And he just, he just <laughs> zips up in the air, you know, speaking his maniacal monologue of, of how this all came together. I was like, damn, y'all, <laughs> this is, this is really happening. Uh, when you pull up your shirt to reveal a bulletproof vest, oh you pull God. up your shirt to reveal yeah. a bulletproof Everybody's vest. It's like, look at this. I got all these bulletproof vests. Like, man, they invested in Kevlar. Like, I will say that, like, um, and and the I, I just want to clarify in case it was confusing the the trope of a a killer faking their own death I don't have a problem with that at all uh, sure, one of okay. one of my very favorite mystery stories uh, of, <clears throat> of all Agatha Christie's and then there were none because so many people die in that it's not a terrible spoiler to say like one of the people the the person orchestrating it appears as a victim earlier in the thing and then it comes back that they're the mastermind so I have no problem with the plot point. My, you know, frustration with it is the elaborate nature of when we found him, like him being, you know, taken out somehow or just sort of like, you know, faking it a a simpler, quicker way. I would have been like, okay, all right, sure. Like he's trying to throw him off. Just, you know, remove himself from the burden of being in the same room as the killer, which he can't do when there aren't two killers. So, like, I get that. But I was just so frustrated by like, really, that's what you decided. It's almost as if like. Somebody was like, I'm going to find I'm going to find the hardest possible way to do what I'm trying to do right now. I'm going to remove this animatronic skeleton from this glow in the dark coffin, this neon green little coffin. And I'm going to climb in it, bleeding all over the place and cutting my own throat and all that other stuff. It's just like, we know, maybe maybe in that moment, Roman was just trying to have fun. He really was like that. Suddenly, something about that whole setup unlocked a childhood sort of thing for him of just a love of the macabre. And, he's like, Ooh. You know, he's like, oh, the ghoulish. He's like, you know what? It would be fun. I always wanted to be in a coffin playing dead and have someone find me. Let's hope this happens. You know, so I don't know. I don't know, man. You know, I, yeah, I, think, you're, I think you're looking for story logic where even they didn't bother with it. Um, good point. If there's uh. if there's any serious that ain't rights here, I will give a. And to read, I will, you, 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 uh, downgraded from a, uh, applause to a tip of the hat. I'll downgrade from a tip of the hat to, uh, 
huh, to a like <laughs> a subtle, a subtle point, a knowing, a <laughs> knowing, a, <laughs> a knowing squint as I turn away. That's what it is. Uh, so oh. a knowing, a knowing squint as I turn away is <laughs> the image of the bloodied sheet over the figure uh, as it tries yeah. to terrorize Sydney. That's true. In that's a different cool. movie, that's, cool. that's an actual yes. scary moment. In this <laughs> movie, it's more like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Co-signed. Yes. All right. Well, did you squirm? Not really. Did you wince? Not at all. Did you squint your eyes real tight? Uh, in other movies, it would have been probably because of what we around here call. That ain't right. Sure as hell ain't right. All right. So, you know, that's that ain't right. And here we are with Scream 3 and talking about its depths, its profundities, its, uh, you know, just just ponderances, the things on its mind. And I would like to point to a very just stirring scene between Sydney and Detective Kincaid. Uh, and I'm being jokey, but I actually think it's a lovely bit of scripting in a better movie. It would actually be a worthwhile place to camp out on. But uh, after this cavalcade of new data dump Sydney gets about her mother, which is goodness gracious, um, these movies yeah. are not kind <clears throat> to this character. Um, Sydney to Patrick Dempsey, old McDreamy says, I don't know who my mom was. And back to her, he says, you know who she was to you. And actually, I was like, you know what? Hmm. There it is. There it is. Yeah. That's that that's the knowing that's a, squint. That's the, a tip. No, oh. that's a that's upgraded to a tip of the hat. Oh, okay. It's Understood. not applause. Right. But it is more than just a pure turning away, knowing smirk, knowing wink. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, you know who she was to you. There's that. That's scream three. What about you, Reed? <laughs> what about you, Andy? What about you, Matt? I mean, if y'all found anything in this movie, I, w- I will say this to to the uh, to to a comment that Matt made earlier. Like, it, it doesn't really have any thematic cohesion. I think I think it's got a an unfortunate bad one, and that's you know the 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 notion. Um, it is a shame that in a movie this silly, the on paper plot points are a reclusive Sydney trying to help trauma victims and trying to help victims of domestic violence. And, uh, and, and then on top of that, the again, exaggerated entire plot line surrounding her mother and all the nefarious things that she went through in uh, it, it, like you have an actual, <laughs> it, it, it has to be called out. I don't care that it's through the lens of 2023. Uh, the fact that you have the character of John Milton, who is a Hollywood producer that is a, a you know, repeat predator, uh, completely pursuing his actresses. And it was produced by Harvey Weinstein. Like that's it's 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 accidental meta, all, you know, going on uh, for all of that. Man, I hadn't uh, even thought about that. Ugh. Yeah. And so so that's what I mean when I say like it's it's unfortunate that the the on paper plot narratives that they have here are actually really heavy stuff that 
should be treated with a certain degree of care or sensitivity. Or if you're going to treat it jokey, please, for the love of God, be smart, like be be clever. I'm not saying you can't right. make something that has a comedic tone that interplays with those subjects. They're not sacred uh, relics of, of things you can't touch in a satirical way, but you have to be smart or clever about them if you do. And this film isn't even the the lesson. And, and I'm again, uh, to a certain degree at a certain point it's going to feel like i'm just beating up on it unfairly but i feel like even the things like when sydney at the end like open opens wide the gates and she's like you know what i'm not going to live as a recluse anymore i'm not gonna you know uh, none of that is going to bother me anymore i'm like how'd you how'd you learn that like where did where did you (laughs) what was it through the course of these events that caused you to to get that way you didn't grow more empowered you didn't come to some profound realization i actually agree with you nathan that one moment with um patrick dempsey detective kincaid i noticed that this <laughs> this risks derailing my whole point but like <laughs> i noticed that patrick dempsey in this thing i think T- patrick dempsey is a fine actor uh like i think i think he's completely competent quite fine but uh i feel like in most of these scenes he reacts as if it was news to him what the character said to him in the moment. (laughs) Well, you say that, Reed, because the IMD behind the scenes stuff talks about the fact that he got hired the day before shooting. He had to learn his stuff on the fly uh, for these relatively deep scenes. So he is, Reed. He is (laughs) reacting very naturally because he's like, huh, didn't know (laughs) Neff Campbell was going to say that. (laughs) Oh, that's that's literally the look he has on his face. Like, touche, fellow actor. Like, okay, (laughs) I'll see you. (laughs) It's funny at the end when him and uh, Neff Campbell are pointing guns at each other and you're trying to figure out, is he the killer? Is he on it? Right. And he kind of gives this look and he's like, that look could be like, I am the killer or that look could be like, I'm a nice cop. Like it could go. Either that way. look could also be. Are we shooting? You know, <laughs> are we, <laughs> we still rolling. Are we rolling? <laughs> you know. What is this movie again? Uh, okay, oh, <laughs> <help> <laughs> am I gonna win? <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, yeah. I mean, it, it it really is just kind of um unfortunate that again we go back to you know this this old very very tired trope about sydney's mother um but i think honestly the the real big missed opportunity is the stuff around sydney wanting to help people and wanting to be a, a kind of a beacon to victims of domestic violence and and uh trauma victims while simultaneously she is one herself and coming to a place Here's what I think is interesting. This forecasts a little bit for Scream 4. I love, with all capital letters, Sydney's arc when we start Scream 4, where she has written a book, she's she's gone public with her story. Presumably, she's taken this, this center that we see in the beginning of this where she wants to help victims, and she's trying to do that in a, in a productive and constructive way. I love that. And if for nothing else, then maybe like a bridge to get her there, like, okay, I will I will give this film some lip service on that. Um, But I just feel like there were so many more interesting things they could have done with her presence in this. She really just, you know, the only reason she shows up is because presumably Roman found her, found out who she was through the hotline. He has he is supernatural, like the things he's able to do. And figure out and and connect dots is uh, is is really unreal. Um, but that's I mean I don't know how much we would explore or, or converse about that. But uh, I just I just found it sad that it's like wow you've taken 
some two really interesting things to try to discourse about and you've made them uh, and you've put them in a film that is just far too silly it's far too silly for plot lines like that uh i don't know if any of you have any thoughts or response to that but that was that was my big overriding complaint it was, it was such a bummer to see her shoot ghost face like three times and then he's laying on the ground and she immediately turns around and starts untying i was like no that's not sydney is is a ba you know you know what that's yes. gonna go over there and, and shoot him in the head like yeah. she's not gonna shoot him three times and then just turn around yeah you know? <laughs> it's like that's that's not the Sydney that we know that's not the Sydney that we've we've come to in this series so that was uh yeah well yeah. and to your to your point she's done it twice she right. did that in the first film she did yep. that in the second film so exactly. why in the world would she be like he's good he's yeah. i got i took him okay. out all time on yeah. time now yeah well and and i i haven't said this on the show uh, on this episode yet but um so this had a new writer um Kevin Williamson, I think, was tied up in other projects. He was directing a film at this point. He had written like several other things. And so this new writer, uh, Aaron Kruger, had been brought in. And this is the story. This is the this is the meta story is that Kevin Williamson outlined everything like, hey, here's what Scream 3 can be. Aaron Kruger, for reasons that I was unable to uh, find out, uh, Aaron Kruger basically threw away the outline, didn't even bother with it, didn't follow it just kind of did their own thing and i'm just kind of like and it even i one blurb that i read said that in the original sort of draft the characters so vastly did not resemble themselves that so many of them had to be rewritten or retooled by either Wes craven himself or by the actors involved to be like well no th this character wouldn't say this they wouldn't act this way they wouldn't feel this way and and so it does feel very slapdash like Man, we're just trying to piece together this this monster and make it do something that that kind of works in the end. Um, and unfortunately, that really shines through. That's that's very very obvious in uh, in what's happening, which uh, you know saddens me a little bit. But um, Andy, any additional thoughts? I know you liked it. I know leather. I know leather. Um, the other thing is bangs. <laughs> Does oh my god, the bangs. Bang? everybody has bangs. Yeah. Um, I was just thinking about the um, Roman being the brother and not uh, kind of like you said, kind of orchestrating everything. Um, but how much pain that guy's got to be in to want to like kill his sister? basically you know mm -hmm. and um he's dealing with some stuff and i would like to i would have liked to explored you know his you know past his his more of his relationship with his mom and and stuff like that i know he didn't have much but i would have liked to have seen that because i feel like you could have really developed that character and you know i didn't care about roman mm -hmm. but I want to care about him, you know, yeah. because he, he's hurt. He's, he's mm -hmm. acting, he's not acting out of like, this is who I am today. He's hurt. Sure. It, it, it's come from years of trauma and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. And he, you know, he's directing movies now he got there, but he, um, you know, we don't, we don't dig into his backstory and I feel like we could, that could have been really great. Um, yeah. The other thing you mentioned was Sydney being a trauma survivor, and which she is, yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. and being on the on the hotline, and and that's uh, I didn't think about that, but it's it's really 
you know, it looks at like, does your pain be a, is it able to help others pain? Does that make mm. sense? Yeah, of, um, course. of course. So her pain of just everything that happened, she's able to still um, open herself up enough. Now I'm not saying she is to other people, but open herself up enough to hear what's going on with these anonymous women on the, on the line and able to just love on them in a way that I don't think, and I'm probably putting way too much into this, mm. but she's able to just love in the sending way that she can with these random people where she keeps, you know, Dewey and, um, uh, Gail and yeah. everybody else at a distance, you know? So mm. I find it interesting that like, are we, are we more vulnerable to strangers than we are to the people around us? And mm. if you looked at that question in this movie, you would see that you're more vulnerable to strangers than you are to um, the people around you. So mm. that's something I saw or just came to me. And <laughs> acknowledging that that is, and I say this as a, as a very big compliment to you, Andy, acknowledging that that is far more high-minded and open-hearted than this film is even trying to be. Yeah. I do, I do agree that there's, I think that's part of what you kind of articulated better than I could. Part of why it has come to bother me. Sydney's plotline in this film, given the tone of this film, because I'm like, mm -hmm. that's, that's a really interesting thing to explore. And mm -hmm. unfortunately, the, the places where Scream does explore this are in places either where it's just developing, like in Scream mm -hmm. 2, or where she has largely come to terms with it, as in Scream mm -hmm. 4, where we'll go next. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the places where we find her. And unfortunately, the entry in which we could explore that journey, she's uh, set dressing. And, and I'm mm -hmm. not saying that as a as a downplay to Nev Campbell or anything. She mm -hmm. <laughs> she is clearly acting her heart out in many of these scenes where I'm like, OK, mm -hmm. she is really trying to elevate the energy of, of this moment. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, but, yeah, it's like it's unfortunate that this entry, we don't get to see that bridge crossing mm -hmm. over where, OK, that her coping with her mistrust developing into a more holistic and healthy place. And I love the way you phrased it about how. You know, we we leave ourselves uh, more vulnerable. Um, yeah, it, it, we're more vulnerable to strangers, I think, is the way you said that um, when we are unwilling to open ourselves up to the people that are just right around us. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, well, I, and I yeah, go ahead. Nathan. Let me jump in there. So the, the I think something you've identified, Reed, and, you know, I, I fully sort of see and endorse and agree with the sort of absolute whiff and missed opportunity for things that the movie actually puts forth as as potential character stuff but i think that's a little bit what's weird about this franchise this and and what i mean meant when i said what scream the franchise struggles with sometimes this movie goes all in on like triples down on mm -hmm. uh and and that's well what is the tone and and what this is a reason I find from here that from scream three, there's kind of an escalation um, for mm -hmm. me mm -hmm. personally, because I like a more grounded uh, gritty is the wrong word. Like I'm looking for, you know, uh, you know, Rob zombie or something that's not, but just a more grounded, a less 
zany, a more interesting, a more, a more interested approach to the material. Like that is, if there's a, 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 a fundamental flaw with scream three, it isn't even interested in its own self. Like mm-hmm. it basically says, Oh yeah. You know, that'd be kind of cool. If, if Sydney had done this, that makes some sense. That's cool. Put it in there. And then at yeah. the end we have the little, the little bow of, you know, it's a pretty stupid, like let's leave the front door wide open. This is no yeah. longer metaphor. This is a dumb yeah. literalization of metaphor. <laughs> you know, it's Absolutely. like, yeah. no, just go close the door. Like that isn't yeah, a, yeah. uh, 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 indictment of your character. That's just, uh, yeah. you know, that's just energy Comments. efficiency I mean, work. Right. Right. I mean, it's like, I get that you're, I get that you're not scared of killers anymore, but bugs are going to get in. Like, yeah. 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 There's, <laughs> you know, there's other things and law. What, what, what is the line read from, from there's, laws. Scared. there's, yeah. there's other justice in this world besides the law. There's yeah. other, there's other, there's other terrible things in this world besides killers getting in your front door is bugs and roaches, you know, <laughs> and rodents and vermin. Um, but I, I do think and 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 don't want to somehow push past that. I mean, the when I said the 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 movie has an axis point of, you know, because because, Andy, your desire, your interest in the backstory of Roman, this movie is never going to care about because because it is about. Well, isn't it fun to figure out who done it? And the audience yeah, isn't going to know because none of these people know. And we don't really know <laughs> until we're there, you know? Um, yeah. And so I, I like what you're pointing to there, Reed. I can still find some fun in it because I can forgive its utter kind of failing aspects. Mm-hmm. Um, and, at, you know, also in sort of the, the behind the scenes stuff, like Nev Campbell was shooting something else. Uh, yeah. she was only oh, yeah. on set for, I think it was like 20 days. This is a wig. Like, like she was clearly just brought in, uh, mm-hmm. to, to kind of prop up scenes and, you know, kind of support the, the, the narrative that started taking place. But yeah, I, 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 I can see the, how the weaknesses could weigh it down. Uh, and, and I'm just distracted by it's, it's, you know, kind of trivialities, but, but no, that's, I think that's some, some really valuable insight there. Yeah, and I think maybe as a as a potential final button from me before we move on to our our Ghostface Kill Hall of Fame and 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 wind it to a close, is I I do feel like this film in isolation is fine. It's it's it, it's honestly a pretty good time. So briskly paced, like you just pull this out and watch it on a random like, hey, I just want to you know watch a random uh, franchise installment. Uh, not looking for anything too heavy or scary or whatever. Like this this film is completely fine for that um it has its entertainment i think what we do here on the show each october and spooky season now to run through a franchise does not serve a film like this very well because you're seeing how other things develop and you're reflecting on how other entries are so much stronger in so many other ways and i think that is is potentially a detriment of this film that when it was made in 2000 a full decade before Scream 4 and only a couple of years after uh, Scream 2, I, I feel like, you know, that's that's the lens of time looking back and, and it just simply hasn't aged very well. Um, but in isolation, it's, you know, even even my hard, grinchy heart can look at it and be like, I, I still didn't hate watching it. <laughs> you, yeah. know I mean? like, you know, uh, that being what it is. Um it, it, unless everybody, unless anybody has anything burning they'd like to say in continuation on the film, then I'll uh, invite. I'll just say, yeah, go ahead. 
I think the the most fun in the movie is the uh, the chase through the Woodsboro set, and they kind of play with your expectations. And like she opens the door, and it goes nowhere. And and then uh, mm-hmm. it, and the scene where she's going to the bedroom door, and then she goes to the closet. Is that because in the first movie the killer's in the closet, right? So she kind of was. I feel I feel like that was kind of a notch the first movie where she looks in the closet first and all that stuff. I thought I thought that was fun. I thought it was clever. They could have done more with it, but. Uh, but I did enjoy that. It was kind of the one sticking point that uh, I liked. I uh, I agree with that. I, that that scene is one of my favorite scenes in this film. I yeah. I uh, that the whole energy changes when she mm-hmm. steps on that set and looks up yeah. and and Nev Cam. I, I will applaud Ned Nev Campbell for her acting in that moment because a lot of that she sells with her reactions to being back in those spaces, um, and especially given how little time she had in the actual filming of this, I think that's to her credit that she was able to engender so much emotion in that. Cause I do think the energy changes during that scene uh, and rises to a place that the most of the rest of the film doesn't get to. So, yeah, I agree with you. I love the scene where Courtney Cox gives Carrie Fisher a $50 bill. And Parker Posey <laughs> says $50 who are you a reporter for Woodsboro high. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, <laughs> this is worth two thousand. Judy Jurgenstern. She's great. On that note, uh, it is not the the Parker Posey bits Hall of Fame. It is the Ghost Face Kills Hall of Fame. Throughout Screamoween, we are assembling a list of the top kills from the career of Ghostface. Uh, and the only real criteria is it cannot be a a character who's i who had the mask on at some point and is killing someone a la uh at least the attempt roman makes no roman does kill milton at the end right but he's not masked so in mm-hmm. that scene he's not ghostface okay so that one is not unless you want to claim it as a wild card and maybe we'll converse mm. about it but uh in scream three the scenes uh or the deaths caused by ghostface are or cold one out or one of the worst character names in cinema history, Cotton Weary. Uh, <laughs> he shows up. He's wondering where Christine is. There's a skirmish in the office, and he just gets stabbed. I mean, if I'm honest, he kind of goes out like a chump. Hmm. Like I kept thinking in my memory, he got thrown out the off the balcony. But turns out that was uh, Tyson later on, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, that's that's it. That's all we're that's all we're giving Cotton here. And, and the magical uh, voice changer that uh, is incredible at at. Uh, yeah, accompanying uh, people's voices that somehow was a major plot point, but not a major plot point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that one was a tough look. Um, yeah. uh, next is Christine Cotton's girlfriend, who sadly dies off screen. Uh, and then you've got Sarah, played by Jenny McCarthy, uh, called by Ghostface. She's running lines. Oh, the lines are wrong. She gets caught in the props department. She suffers the most unceremonious death. She's like pushed halfway through the window, stabbed in the back pretty weird edit if i'm being mm-hmm. honest uh then you have the man cronk himself uh patrick warburton aka stephen stone he's rummaging through dewey's trailer he gets a call it's dewey then the voice changes and the killer emerges he gets stabbed in the back he gets shoved into a wall um uh, ghostface grabs a frying pan and knocks him around and he falls over and he he comes back out a scene later talking to dewdrop and he falls over again it's 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 really not well staged <laughs> <laughs> it's like, 
Okay. It reminds me of, uh, I think it was Brandon and Matt uh, Ruff a couple episodes ago talking about, you know, the characters being over, able to overpower other characters. Patrick Warburton would not have been, gotten taken out by Scott Foley. Let's just be real here. Nope. Um, now, he got the jump on him and I, uh, some props there, but, you know. Sure. That's, yes. that, ain't, that ain't right. Uh, <laughs> next is Tom, the actor who plays Dewey, whoever smells the gas. <laughs> <laughs> they're being faxed new script pages he's frantically reading the killer will grant mercy too and then he can't read the final line he's they got the setup of the gas is leaking in the house and he lights mm. a lighter and boom goes the dynamite uh emily mortimer and playing angelina who is the sydney stand-in she gets stabbed trying to flee the mansion there's a high body count in this movie by the way it um is. yeah Tyson, who plays, who's playing the surrogate Randy, gets stabbed. He tries to get away. He gets just, you know, thrown off the balcony because. And then, you know, Parker Posey, uh, um, who actually, what's her name? Jennifer? Am I making that up? No, you're um, not making that up. A gay okay. now. No. Uh, gay. She's behind the two way mirror, stabbed as Dewey is shooting the mirrors. Um, and those are your kills by Ghostface in Scream 3. Uh, Andy, I'm going to start with you. Which one of these do you want to submit to the Sorting Hat, aka the Ghost Face Kills Hall of Fame? Uh, uh, Cotton Weary's Skull Crash. I mentioned okay. it before, but like, um, <clears throat> that takes a lot of force because the skull is pretty hard. So, <laughs> and he stabbed him right in the brain. So <laughs> I'm going to put that on that. <laughs> All right. So that's my. Gotten weary it is. Matt, what about you? Uh, I'm submitting Christine because her death off screen is better than any of the ones on film. So. Wow. Reed, what about you? Hysterical. <laughs> well, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't expect to still have so many on the table. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, I think the one I'm going to go for, probably affection for the actor, um, but I'm going to go for old Stephen Stone. Good old Kronk, mm. man. Poor guy is like, you know, oh, this this is the knife you want. This Cusco's knife. That line gets said in our house a lot, by the way. <laughs> this is the so, knife you want? No, 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 no. no, no poison. No. Poison for Cusco. Cusco's poison. Okay. That poison? <laughs> that poison? Um, so yeah, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go for Stephen Stone. Good old good old This Kronk. guy. He's got his own theme music. <laughs> Patrick Warburton. He's going to be my nomination for the Hall of Fame. Uh, surprising no one. I'm going to pick Parker Posey. Uh, you know, I'm uh, if I'm thankful for anything about the fact that she dies, it's that it's so late in the movie because we get to just enjoy all of her um, just pitch perfect comedy uh, every time she's on screen. And there we have it. I'm really thankful that you picked Parker Posey because between the two of them, like when it came to me, I was prepared to either pick Parker Posey or Patrick Warburton. So I'm glad they're I'm glad they're both in there. Um, I'm actually surprised Tom didn't get picked, just given the nature of the of the kill. But yeah, that's all right. yeah. That's all right. You know, it's unconventional. Most most people in the Scream franchise die by blade, but not, not right. that man. He, only, but only this is the point. Huh? Yes, this is my point about the zany whodunit nature of it. It's like okay, let's just come up with some random set piece where they're <laughs> they're being faxed, you know, new scripts pages, and 
now this happens and then that happens but ghostface is never in the scene <laughs> right oh man so uh yeah that that is uh our four nominees for scream three uh cotton weary christine stephen stone and jennifer uh so the i guess now we can go to ye old fog meter the more familiar metric to our listeners um this is where we rate the not the quality of the film but the gravity of the film the heft what it asks of you as the viewer and we rate those on fear and god um andy and matt you're both well acquainted with the fog meter at this time matt i'm going to start with you what would you give scream three go ahead and you can take a beat if you want to but go ahead and give me your measurement for fear and for God together for Scream 3. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think it's just a one and a one. It just kind of doesn't have much to say, and it's, it's not scary. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, there, there's enjoyable parts, but it's, yeah, it's just a, it's a one and a one. All right. Nope, nope. Uh, quick to the point. Agreed. Uh, Andy, what um, would you give it for Fear and for God? Go ahead and give me both. I'd give it a three and a three. Um, okay. and that's being generous. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I put the God meter in as, as the three because of how I looked at it with the, sure, with sure. The vulnerability and stuff. Um, and be, I give it a three because the scariness my wife liked. So, yeah, yeah, that's why. Get, yeah. I'm with you on that. I get you there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nathan, what would you give Scream 3? For go ahead and give me both measurements, fear and God. Deuce, deuce. <laughs> it's the deuce, deuce. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it it just isn't scary. Uh, mm. And and this is this is one of those puzzling entries where it's like you know, scream notoriously. A what what is fascinating about this franchise is its capacity for reinvention you would think would be low because it is all in continuity with itself. Like, unlike, you know, a, you know, Jason in space or whatever those are, Jason <laughs> X or, you know, like, yes, I don't, yes. I've never seen these, but I just know they're just like, well, let's put him in space. Well, let's put him in hell. You know, it's like, okay, whatever, yes. you know, like <laughs> these movies uh, aren't at least where we're at right now. These movies aren't going to do that. So sure. the 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 lane uh, is pretty narrow for what they can do, but that, I think that benefits them because you're forced to kind of reckon with a a reality, however mm -hmm. you know bendable it is in a movie like this one. I don't know why exactly I started talking about that, but <laughs> two two two. It's not du scary, deuces. and it's it's and and for whatever we might give it points for on. Hey, let's make Sydney a crisis counselor. It really mm -hmm. doesn't do anything with that at all. So yeah, yeah um so uh i'm i i want so badly to follow the trend of double uh <laughs> of like doubling up on yes uh double entendres uh, d uh mm. double digits there um but i can't quite bring myself to do that because i feel like what the film has going I, I said this uh early on in our conversation I, I i think some of these kills are 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 fun and uh some of them are are pretty cool uh, you know, I wouldn't say all of them are, but, but they, they have an energy to them that while I agree with everybody, it's, it's not really scary. It is energizing and kind of fun to watch. Um, and I can see this film taken in isolation, you know, be, being enjoyable for what it is. Um, so I'm going to not do the same number for both. I am going to think, sit with Andy 
on the fear and give this a three for fear. Uh, but uh, I, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go with my heart. I'm going to I'm going to say what I mean. I, I'm giving this a zero for God. <laughs> I'm, wow. uh, yeah, I really I and and what I mean by that for listeners who may be listening to this and don't know, like, what do you mean by God? Uh, the, the God meter for me, the way I measure it is. Uh, does the film know what it's about and does it explore or communicate that in a cohesive and interesting way? Uh, that's my measurement for what we you know, consider the substance or what we call the God meter. And I think I have to be honest with myself that this most recent viewing, I didn't feel this film knew what it wanted to be about or did it explore any of that in, in a version of interesting way. I think it, through its characters in a blender, created a sequence of you know, mixed to okay scenes. Um, and that in the end, they all kind of came out kind of functional and kind of energizing. And that's maybe to its luck, not necessarily to its credit. So for me, I'm giving this the rare zero on uh, yield God meter, perhaps controversially. Yeah, the last time we had a zero in the God meter. When did that happen? I don't remember. What was it? Oh, it was. It was my knock at the cabin take. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. I remember that. So, you know, uh, uh, maybe Good I feel I feel the way about Scream 3 as Nathan felt about knock at the cabin. <laughs> so, it's uh, irresponsible. <laughs> take, that for, take that for what it is. But that means that we give Scream 3, uh, directed by Wes Craven and uh, written by Aaron Kruger, a 2 out of 10 on the fog meter. Uh, not very demanding or energizing to the viewer, per our little panel here but the perhaps trickier question is would you recommend scream three so uh guests i will start with you andy would you recommend Scream three to people um i think like how you would if you were come if you just wanted something to watch on a wednesday night and needed something that like doesn't tie seriously into the other parts of the franchise give it a shot you need a laugh sure. you need a little a little scare i mean it's gonna be little but you see it <laughs> <laughs> with scream three. <laughs> oh no very very well said matt would you recommend scream three to people uh yeah i mean every every franchise has its uh does and low points but it's still it's part of the family and like uh, nathan's least favorite child it still needs love and <laughs> I love yeah. all my children very deeply. <laughs> um, controversially, I am going to go on record that I do not recommend Scream 3. That is pretty that is pretty controversial. Now, I will say this. Um, if you're making a run of the franchise, like I have already said, it's fine. Like it's it, it's totally fine. Um Tune in next week to hear perhaps a little bit more about why I have landed on more officially not uh, necessarily recommending it. But at the same token, uh, if you watch it, uh, you know, it's it's completely fine. So for me, I'm kind of landing down on a eh, it's it's probably skippable. That having been said, if you enjoy these and just want more of it, it's there. It's available for you. No, to watch. Reed. Commit to okay. your take you said okay. i don't recommend this and then 30 seconds later talked yourself into a half-hearted recommendation well <laughs> i wouldn't i wouldn't call even where i landed half-hearted or recommendation quarter-hearted <laughs> a quarter-hearted <laughs> suggestion quarter-hearted suggestion is very <laughs> very on point um but uh but no i mean my official my official stance is no i don't recommend screen three do you know nathan do you um 
you know, controversial take here, but um, I'm just ribbing you lackey. Um, <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. Had Scream 96 not prepared me for how gross I find the sort of Maureen treatment in this trilogy, I do think the monologue at the end of three is offensive. Uh, it, it is, it yeah, is yeah. pretty kind of appalling like I, not remembering it for this viewing when roman starts talking about maureen's experience yeah. i was like holy crap this is not it's cool awful mm-hmm. um yeah. and so yeah, i think i think we're one tamer about that three would feel even sharper and be overly off-putting or or, or much more off-putting compartmentalizing that scene i find there there's zero depth to this movie uh well mm-hmm. let me rephrase it there's two depths to this movie if you're me um <laughs> but i find it entertaining and i would encourage people i do i recommend it as a comedy like if you watch this oh. and just watch performers being stupid and and some some funny bits uh uh i think it i think it's fun from that perspective um with the the asterisk of i just i just really find the this first trio of movies, you know, kind of backstory un, un, unnecessarily described, uh, if that makes sense. Sure. No, heard, heard. Uh, I think so that, that was, is... I think that was a light recommendation, a half hearted mm-hmm. recommendation. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it, it definitely rose above my quarter, quarter hearted suggestion, quarter hearted yeah. suggestion. Yes. Yes. Um, so, uh, yeah, that puts our conversation about screen three on the record. Andy, Matt, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for taking the time to watch this movie and share your thoughts with us and with our listeners about it. Nathan, thank you as always. Uh, And listeners, uh, be ready. We are going uh, right along in the franchise next week. We're going to be going to Scream 4. This film that we just discussed uh, put this franchise on uh, what we thought was indefinite hiatus, and it wound up being about a decade later, a little over a decade, that we got Scream 4. So next week, we are going to be talking about Scream 4 with another cavalcade of guests, and uh, we hope you will join us for that. Also, for the patrons, check out The Simpsons Treehouse of Horror number 9 from season 10. Uh, And as we say on every episode, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And in that spirit, we encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing. Thank you, gentlemen, all again. It's always a pleasure to talk with you and hang with you. Thank you, listeners, as well. And we will see you all next week. See ya, Sydney. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. Start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for links to our social media, essays, and episode archive merchandise and more. If you love what we do, please consider becoming a patron by visiting patreon.com slash thefearofgodpodcast. There you'll unlock exclusive bonus episodes, extended standard episodes, online event access, and so much more. We want to issue a special thanks to Jacob Hunt of TracerMatula.com for our artwork, also to our assortment of talented musicians, including Andrew Nelson, The Island Family, and Jackson Harper for our varied show tunes, and also to Lee Wright, who helped me, Reed Lackey, write our theme music. Special thanks also to Tyler Smith at MoreThanOneLesson.com. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, and if you listen to us through Apple Podcasts, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. 
Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Hi, everybody.